0: Hey, so what do we do Friday? What did we learn about? Kinship. Oh who said it first? Yeah, gotta give you credit. And who can define kinship for me? I know, it's been a while. It's family relations. Family relations. Why do folklorists and anthropologists study kinship? It shows more info than a regular pedigree chart. That's exactly correct. What kind of more info? Go ahead. Perfect. What roles they play, what their different relationships are. So, like, the people that we call cousins... Uh, Some Iroquois might call brothers or sisters or not related at all, or whatever, right? It shows how these are all all tied together. We made our own kinship charts and it was lovely. So we're continuing on with the theme of families a little bit. Today is kind of the introduction to family folklore, where we go through why would a folklorist look at them, what kinds of things would they look at, and that kind of thing. So we're going to start with why this should be studied. Why why would they look at this kind of thing? And I have here a picture of glue. What does family folklore have to do with glue? What do you think? Yeah. Yep. Perfect. We could call it social glue. So... We study the culture of families because we study the kind of uh, the culture that unites us and divides us. That helps us understand what holds us together as a society. We see how we're tied to each other and what ties matter. Now, in your family, there are two kinds of what we call folklore bearers. Uh, This is true in all kinds of folklore, but I wanted to introduce it here because this is where it's going to be easiest for you to identify who they are. First, what is a bearer? If I'm the bearer of something, what am I? I have some responsibility that works. I like that. Other, Yeah? I carry it. I carry it. I move it from one to another. I have possession of of it. Excellent answers. I am the one that doles it out. So I hold it. I give it. I carry it and the other stuff you said that I've forgotten because it's Monday after spring break. Okay, so there's two kinds of bearers of folklore. There's what we call active bearers and passive bearers. So in your family, there is an active bearer of, family, of your family culture, your family folklore. In my family, it was my mother. If I wanted to know something about somebody in my family's history, I went to my mom. As times pass, it's become me, because that's the way I roll. So if I wanted to know, say, hey, you know, mom, what was grandma's... I noticed my grandmother was a teacher, okay? You'd think we'd have learned, but I'm the fourth generation of teachers, and my son's studying to be a teacher, so... You'd think we'd have learned by now, but no, we haven't. So my grandmother taught um, P.E. and English. She taught at the middle school. I have a picture of her like close to her retirement with a bunch of kids lined up at her desk that they took for the newspaper. It was pretty cool because it's my sister-in-law's brother is one of the kids lined up at the desk. It was kind of fun, and I later taught in the same classroom. I didn't know it at the time, but that was my classroom. At, at one point. So she's there with everyone, but then I found a newspaper article where she was teaching uh, of in Tremont, at McKinley Elementary. I think it was McKinley. I don't really care. Somewhere in Tremont. So I asked my mom, I'm like, hey mom, what's the story here? And she knew nothing about it. I had to keep doing it, but she's the one who would know, right? Do you have someone like that in your family? Someone who knows the stories, who keeps the history, who they are an active bearer of the folklore. That's the word for them. Now you know instead of saying they're your genealogy aunt or whatever. They're, so first, let me ask all of you, raise your hand if you can identify a person like that in your family. You know who they are. Raise it up high. Okay, now, how many is it a woman? Why do you think that's true? So for, just because I'm recording this for a person who's absent, who's sick, um, like only two people put their hands down. One of them was my daughter, because it's me. Right? So why do you think it is? Why do you think women are usually, this is true, by the way, in almost every culture, why do you think women are usually the bearers of, the active bearers of the family culture? So a woman's traditional role might have something to do with it? That's logical? They listen more. So the lady who discovered this, actually, she wrote a book called Folklore 101 that I should have had you get. It's only $9. Um, that's her theory right there. She's, she said because, because it, it's peculiar to their skills. They remember more. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. In my So they're the ones that have so in your family it's they're the ones that have the time to do all the to do all the stuff. It's just sheer practicality. But like in my family that's something my grandma and my mom would talk about when my dad, my, my dad, my, his dad, grandpa, would talk about like football. And, and that. <laughs> this also fits the lady that came up with the theory. That's the other thing she says. She says that men are more often the, the keepers of workplace culture and um, sports culture. So they're interested in other things related to what someone else said. Good. so in your case it's your grandfather who do, who does the stuff see it's interesting so different families are different of course again in my family it's me i' I'm, I'm the new generation it was my mother um, and before her it was my my grandmother, and before her, it was her, my great grandmother. Yeah. No, uh uh-uh, uh, there can be many. There can be many, many, many. There's no limit. Everybody could be an active bearer if they chose to be. So, what about passive bearers? What do you think those are? Do you like my passive bear to be my? It's like, how do I illustrate this? <laughs> my sleeping bear. They might not care on the surface. They usually care deep down. Yeah? So know they don't, like, Like, people wouldn't know that, because they like, so casual about it. So maybe they're just quieter. They know it, they, but they're not the ones that are collecting and sharing. But they still carry it, like the, the passive people that carry the disease but more positive than that. Okay, good. So there's active bearers, passive bearers. Always true in every kind of folklore. Uh, Even if we were studying jokes, which is a kind of narrative, um, there's the people who tell the jokes and the people who just laugh at the jokes. Now, I gave a slide, but did you already have time to write three and four? Or do you need a second? Need a second. Okay. So three and four, who is the most active bearer and what specific things do they do? That second question is the one that I'd like you to spend some time on. Okay, what kinds of things do they do? What do they do? Yeah. Family history research. How many of you? Show of hands, the active bear is the family history person. Yep, yep, yep. Good. By the way, I know that seems like a Utah answer. That is not a Utah answer. That would be an answer anywhere. Okay, what else do they do? Absolutely. They could be the keeper of the traditions. The one who gets the family together, who organizes family reunions and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Perfect. Did you hear? Every Memorial Day, uh, the family goes to a bunch of different cemeteries and visits the graves of the people. And the active bearer identifies who's who. Yep, we do the same thing. The scrapbooks, how many of you have the scrapbooker? I will show you my family's scrapbooker. It's my great grandmother in just a sec. Yeah? Uh, My girl just tells stories that we all kind of just like pick up on and remember at some point. They tell the stories. Excellent. Oh, the locations, each house. Oh, this is where this was, this is what the, that's because your active bearer is also a computer nerd. <laughs> okay, good. Good, okay, so family folklore has two major themes. So if you're, if you're collecting stories from your family, chances are highest that most of the stories, now not all of them will, but most of the stories are gonna fit into two broad categories. The first of these is called the character principle. When I say the character principle it kinda means two things. You know what I mean if I say, oh yeah, they're a character. No, that's not, it's familiar to some of you and not others. A character is someone who's a little eccentric, whose personality is just kinda fun, a little maybe goofy, a little, you know people in your grade who are just kind of weird in a fun way? They're a character. That's one of the expressions that you use for them. So you have someone in your ancestry who acts, they're kind of famous maybe for some things they did, (laughs) maybe not in a good way. See that's the second part of it. The character principle can also be like hey, don't be like this person, or do be like this person. They take everyone down, they they take a complex person, and they boil them down to one or two character traits. So I'm going to illustrate one. You're going to notice right what I want you to notice. This is my, my ancestors here. What's the first thing that stands out to you? The hair. Hey, so the lady at the far right, that's my grandmother. Her name's Faye. Hey, then right behind her, second from the right, that's her mother, the one with the hair, Luella. Then there's my grandmother's brother, then her dad, then her other brother, um, who looks exactly like my cousin. Like, it's creepy exactly the same although my grandma looks very much like my cousin and a little bit like my daughter Jane not that one she looks like a Crawford okay so you notice the hair so this is the story Luella was vain she was too vain and so what she did is when she was older her hair was gray she took this painting this painting, this picture, and she tried to color in her hair. She used a ballpoint pen. Over time, ballpoint pen's color changes. I don't know if you knew this. But so when she did it, it would have been black, but it's faded to blue, and it looks terrible. I keep thinking I'm going to Photoshop this and do this right for her because I think she deserves it. So the moral of the story is don't be like great-grandma Luella. She's vain. That's the story I got, like, growing up. But why is this not fair? You, good, there's, a, there's all these assumptions, all this thing. This is a person who was really complicated. Here's another picture. This is younger, right? So same family, same kids, same everybody. My grandmother clearly would not hold still for the photograph. But she's a devoted mother. She was really smart. She was really creative. She was the keeper of the family folklore. She labeled every photograph so I know who everybody was. I have pictures of her cousin that I've scanned and and put online for other relatives to find, all because she was such a great, like she could have been a professional archivist. But we only tell one story about her because of her hair. So that's the character principle. So do you have... A story in your family, like, don't be like so-and-so. My wife has the best one. Her great-great-great-grandfather, I think, was a miner. Like, not a miner, like, under 18, but, uh, like, worked in a mine. Got ticked off one day, brought some dynamite home, took it into bed. His wife didn't know, and he blew them both up. That's how they died this is clearly a good character story right don't be like great 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 grandpa he was nuts with the dynamite some of you are like laughing and some of you are mortified (laughs) not in my genes i'm not that worried about it right i'd be worried if i was one of my kids you know then i'd be like oh man (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) so do you have some stories like that in your family? Be like this person or don't be like this person? Right? Did I give you a second to, to make a note of it? Turn to your neighbor, number six. Good. Give an example. Talk to your neighbor for a little bit. See if together you can come up with a couple of examples from your backgrounds of a, the character principle. If you can't from yours, write down your neighbors. So go ahead and go. Okay, so some of you are scaring me a little bit with, Let... show of hands for a sec. How many of you had a positive story with a hero, be like this person? Okay. How many of you had a negative story, like don't be like this person? How come the negative people are laughing more? I don't know, I just heard someone push your dad off a bridge. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh.
0: oh, that's funny. I broke my older brother's arm when I was like two. Oh, see that? Yeah. <laughs> see, good. So this is good. I'm glad you got it. Okay, here's the second principle. This is called the transition principle. The transition principle is because we share stories that involve some kind of big change in our family. So this is a good example. When my father was young, he used to spend, when he was a teenager, he would drive down to Springdale every summer and work on our family's farm. Uh, This is my family's farm. You might recognize it because you might have camped there. If you look at the map on the left, it's now the Watchmen campground. The, the government sees that they used eminent domain to expand Zion National Park, and they expanded it right into my family's farm. If you go camp there, this is the campground right by Springdale. If you go there, go right to the center, right in the middle, there's this kind of flat rock. Um, that was my family's um, like porch. That's where their cabin was. Um, my grandparents came down here right after they were married and, and lived there, right? So it's a lost fortune. If we had that land today, do you know how much that would be worth? Like, we could build a resort. We could, we could do all kinds of stuff. But instead, the government took it, and my grandpa died poor. So here's, here's some of the common themes for a transition story. So it could be immigration, the story of when your family came west or came to the United States or moved to Utah or moved to Brigham City or Manaway or wherever you happen to be. Um, it, lost wealth, I just shared a lost wealth story. Everyone in my family knows that we used to own that campground and now we don't. We wouldn't have inherited it anyway, but it it sounds good that it could have been ours. Uh, A lot of times it's some kind of trauma, something horrible that happened, or a death, this is how so-and-so died. Heroes, or rogues, that's the opposite of a hero, that, that led to some kind of change. And that's the key with the transition story, is the family was this way, and now they're this way. Oh, yeah, our name used to be Baquet, but now it's Bake because they made us change it at Ellis Island. Or our family um, used to live in Pennsylvania, but they came west with, uh, with the pioneers, right? Transition stories. Hey, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to very briefly collect an example So this time you're going to write down your neighbor's story, not yours. If you don't have one, make one up. Go. Okay, let's let's come back together. I heard some good stories that time too. So here's here's what I need you to do. So first I have, we're gonna need to start the families, the ethnography, which we're really gonna look at how families function within that, within your chosen society. So how are they structured? How do they view kinship? Uh, what special events are tied to families. So like here, a wedding is usually tied to a family. We have this whole tradition of who pays for what. But we'll do that later. First, we want to do this themes assignment. So there's the two major themes, the character principle and the transition principle. You're going to choose one of those themes and tell me your family's story and then analyze it. So real simple, spend about half a page telling it to me, and then half a page explaining how it illustrates whichever principle you're trying to illustrate. Now, I don't know if I have anyone in here right now, um, but there's some cultures, some family cultures in particular, that don't do it. So if you need, you can make it up. You <laughs> Use a fictional character. But I'm hoping that most of you have a family story. You could do this. This should only take you like maybe half an hour, okay? Ten minutes to tell the story. It doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, do please, please, for the love of our beautiful language, capitalize all of your proper nouns, okay? Thank you. (laughs) and do split it into paragraphs. But tell me the story. Don't, it doesn't have to be too fancy. Don't bother collecting it again from your family. It's not, it doesn't need to be that kind of fancy. Just do it from your memory. Tell me the story and then say, okay, this illustrates the character principle. Because it does this, this is what it's trying to do. And of course, this is the function that this fills in my family. Have you noticed that we're still Dealing with some structural functionalism here. Hey, I'm gonna unlock your computers, but yeah. So you were told story yeah, get a get a quick reminder that's fine. I just don't want you to take the time to recollect it, like to be all formal and sit down and do an interview.